This is Japan Baseball Weekly, the only English podcast covering all 12 NPB teams. And now, your hosts, John E. Gibson and Jim Allen. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly podcast. It's for the week of June 28th. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Sunday night is my buddy, Jim Allen. What's happening, man? Not too much. Uh, day baseball today and a new week coming up, so ready to rock and roll. Rock and roll. All right. Well, people mask up and hunker down because the Olympics are coming. The Olympics are coming. I know. <laughs> that I means know. more Call people. The, yeah. Yeah. Bring your flamethrower to keep people at a distance, baby. No, that's an Olympic torch. That's not a flamethrower. Ah, have you noticed that for all... We have to have an Olympic torch relay because we have to generate excitement. When's the last time? <laughs> When's the last time you heard about the Olympic torch? Well, you know, for, for all we know, somebody kidnapped it and is no, holding it hostage. Because... No, because remember, I, I'm kind of injured, so I'm stuck at the gym for my workouts, and they have TVs on a lot of the machines, so oh, I yeah? get to see the torch, because oh, I watch yeah. the news. Yeah, so I've oh. seen it. It's, it's, it might be make-believe or set-up or fake situations that they're showing us, but they're showing us okay. somebody running, or I, I shouldn't say running. These people are literally <laughs> stepping on, trying not to step on ants. That's the way they're running. Okay. <laughs> with the with the torch, so it's there. It's making its way through certain areas, and yeah, because I know some companies where they were like, "We're going to cover this event on this day, and we're going to have this person covering the torch," and it was going to be like a hundred and ten days of <laughs> hype about this, <laughs> you know, about the. Uh, about this this sacred flame, as they call it in Japan, which, you know, my favorite sacred flame story was during the Sochi, I think it was the Sochi Olympics. Uh, at one point, the flame went out, and so somebody restarted it with a Bic lighter. I was going to say, <laughs> who's got a lighter? <laughs> who's got a lighter? All right. Well, on this week's show, we've got a chat with Brandon Dixon of the Rock 10 Eagles. We're going to discuss the 11-game stampede that Buffalo's made to the top of the PL standings. We're going to talk about the All-Star game, the practice games that were announced this past week, and close it out with some high heat. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases. All right, so uh, the network we are building is growing. That's all I can say. We are building our own little network in terms of trying to get to some of the players through, you know, backdoor entrances and friends and uh, note, friends of friends. Note the John's network is is actually visibly growing. Mine's growing at the speed of fungus. <laughs> well, that stuff that stuff can get away from you if you don't wash it every day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's the problem. Like, I'm too clean. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Dirty things up a little bit. There you go. Get in the mug. <laughs> We're growing. There you go. Uh, so anyway, thanks to friends of uh, JBW, I was able to sit down with uh, Rock 10 newcomer Brandon Dixon, and that's spelled D-I-X-O-N, and that's differently from the Orcs pitcher Brandon Dixon, uh, this Brandon is a position player who is on the farm right now as he tries to adjust to MPB pitching and approach and all these things that happen when you 
come over to play in Japan. But he's 29 years old. He's from Murrieta, California, in, in Southern California. I'm not sure if you know where that is, Jim. You probably I heard of it. I but you don't I've know never, where it is. I've heard of Marietta, Marietta, Georgia, but I'm not familiar with Marietta, California. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's in the boonies between San Diego and Riverside and San Bernardino and okay. a bunch of other places. It's 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 you know it's one of those non destination places. Is that places. the Inland Empire? It's Marietta? way out farther than the Inland Empire, but I suppose Holy it smokes. could be part of it because you remember San Bernardino is the largest county in the, in the United States, so. If they want to call it the Inland Empire, they could. <laughs> I don't yeah. think so. But. Oh, so it's, like, it's like the it's like the Iwaki. You know, we had a colleague who's who's um, I'm gonna go tell the whole the long keep this the short story. We had a colleague who was intimately familiar with Fukushima Prefecture through marriage, and we we learned the trivia fact from our 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 friend uh, James that uh, Iwaki City in Fukushima Prefecture is the largest city in Japan in terms of geographic area. Mm, I think I remember hearing that. I do yeah, remember so, that. so it's sort of like the San Bernardino is the Iwaki city of America. All right. Well, county. <laughs> yeah. County. Yeah, well. I like that. Yeah, well. County <laughs> is the Iwaki Well, yeah, you're correct. Uh, okay. So San Bernardino County is the Iwaki city of, California, of the United States, and you don't get any bigger than that. You don't get any bigger than that. So, um, so yeah, of course, I told I told Brandon I went to you know high school in San Bernardino and started naming some of the schools that are in the area. And he's like, oh, I, I sort of remember. I think we played that team, but you know, we're talking about the before time here, so it was a long time ago. But I did spend my teens out there in San Bernardino, so uh, I did bring that up. And Brandon, like I said, down on the farm. Uh, but before he went down, he spent. He had played 22 games on the first team, and he had 70 at-bats. A couple home runs, a couple doubles. Well, we had one triple, 11 RBIs, a couple stolen bases. So he does a lot of things on the field. I think uh, we talked about, and you'll hear in the interview, about the ProYaku News guys uh, lauding his hustle and his uh, spirited play. But uh, I asked him about his tools in particular, and I, I really like the answer. So let's take a listen to Brandon Dixon. All right, Brandon Dixon of the Rock 10 Eagles is joining us this morning. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Glad to be here. All right, so you obviously must have had some expectations before coming to MPB. What were they? Um, I had talked to, so I played with uh, Reed Garrett. Um, I played with Drew Verhagen um, and just a couple other guys who had, who had had some time here. And pretty much everyone said, I mean, besides the craziness of last year and kind of the difficulties of COVID, they all uh, just, they couldn't, they didn't say anything bad about it. Um, They all pretty much were just saying how it's an awesome opportunity. And if you get the chance, you should really consider it. And, um, And outside of, I think, a lot of the players not, not being able to see family everyone has uh has had nothing but great things to say so that was kind of what led into me kind of researching this and as it became an opportunity Ooh, you said the magic word research what did you research and and what did you find um well the first thing i was told to do was watch mr baseball (laughs) Um, so that that was uh the first thing i did and then other than that um 
just kind of talking to guys who had experience, like I said, and um, just kind of picking their brain and hearing, you know, what what they thought. And, uh, and again, like pretty much I, I don't think there was one person that was like, yeah, I don't think I would ever go back there. It was all pretty much um, good things to say. Um, and, and the quality of baseball was a lot better than what they had expected when they went. Sure. Okay. Now, why Rockston? Why the Eagles? Um, I mean, it was one of the teams that reached out to me first. Um, I actually was gonna. I was trying to come over here um, the year before last, so for the 2020 season. Um, and then we we had something kind of figured out, and then the Detroit Tigers uh, kind of didn't allow me or didn't didn't really let me take my release. Um, so that kind of put a hold on things. So it was something I was considering for a couple of years and then, uh, Rakuten, it just kind of worked out. So, um, yeah, I was happy to, to make something happen and, and come over here. Okay. Awesome. Now, how in this unusual circumstances with COVID and everything, how did you really prepare yourself once you got the contract and everything was set for you to come? Um, I just kind of continued my normal off-season. Um, initially, we expected to come out, I think, like mid-January for uh, the spring training. And then um, every time I talked to the team, it was, you know, we aren't really sure. Um, and then kind of we found out that it would be probably February that I would come out. And then it got pushed back another month. And um so I just continued to do like my typical off-season stuff, and then with as guys were kind of ramping up for the the American like spring trainings, they were throwing some live BPs, and so any chance I got to to get some of those going, I would. But um, I don't think anything really compares to having an actual spring training. <laughs> right, especially when you're coming to a new country and you're learn a new culture of baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Now, your first or second game, I can't remember which one it was, uh, you had some production and you were running the bases and diving at bases and uh, you impressed some of the old, you know, former players who are now TV curmudgeons, and they were lauding your hustle and zeal. So how do you describe yourself as a player? Um, I mean, I would, I would kind of, that's just kind of how I play. Um, I would say, like, just kind of, I, I work hard, and I don't, I don't really, like, I don't really take days off as far as, like, in the field, you know? Um, so if there's a chance that I can use my speed that day or use whatever tool I have, um, I'm going to try and use it for, for the benefit of the team. And, um, so yeah, I mean that, I, I know a lot of people kind of, kind of brought that up like it was unexpected. So I, I don't really know what they were expecting from me or, sure. <laughs> or like what was supposed to be different, but. Um, like the head first slides and the taking extra bases when I could. Um, that was, that's just something that kind of, I don't know, I was taught at a young age and have, have always continued to do. All right. So, uh, you talked about the tools. How many tools do you have in the bag? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> that's, that's for you guys. That's 
that's for you guys to decide. I, I just take what I have that day and do my best with what I got. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. So you're coming to a new country, a new culture of baseball, as we described earlier. What's what was the or what has been the toughest adjustment? You know, with the timing and pitch selection and all that stuff. What has been the toughest adjustment to uh, just the hitting part? Um, I don't know. That's it's hard to say. I think I think um, just how you're how you're pitched and um, you you kind of pair that with it's definitely a different strike zone as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, just the way you're pitched, I have in my head, like, you know, the last 10 years or so of, okay, in this type of situation, I can kind of expect this. And, uh, what I learned after a few weeks was just that I had to kind of throw all that out the window. Mm. Um, and there's just, there's, it's not at all kind of how I had been preparing for games, at least in America. Uh Um, And so it it just, it's taken some time to kind of understand and like relearn in the situations. Hey, like this, just because you used to think you would get certain pitches and these counts or whatever, that's no longer the case here. Um, And so I think, I think that kind of, was a tough adjustment as well as, um, you know, when I started my, I just didn't feel like I was comfortable yet Mm -hmm. in the box. Um, and so I was, I was trying to find my swing by swinging at pitches that I wasn't getting the right pitches to swing at. So it was, it was just kind of a, a wave of different, different things going on. Right. And so I noticed that recently they had sent you down to the to the farm team. So what are you working on uh, in terms of getting back up to the top team? Yeah, I mean, I've just uh, I've actually done some work with uh, the other foreigner Castillo while he was here. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because he said he was watching a lot of games as he was hurt and just kind of saw some things with my swing and and working with some of the coaching staff and stuff. And um and just working on a few of a few of like basic pieces that I was feeling in my swing and um, trying to stay inside the ball more and, and just kind of be in a more balanced position so that I can um, not necessarily just like sit on pitches but adjust off of the fastball to the off speed that that they're throwing. Right. Um, right. So I think just kind of getting back to being in a good spot. Um, and the last week, I, I've kind of felt back to normal. Um, but yeah, I mean, it you know, it's a game of adjustment, so it, it definitely it'll take some time. Mm, good, excellent stuff. Now, my partner noticed in the preseason, and he said it. We do a prediction show each year, and he said it then that the Eagles are very left-handed in terms of their better hitters. And so, how do you think that has impacted the offense? Because obviously, they need guys like you right-handed batters who can drive the ball (laughs) yeah um i mean yeah i think i think to have a well-rounded lineup you need that that good balance you know so whoever they bring into the game you have kind of a guy there that can can take care of that um so yeah i think that's kind of part of why they brought both me and uh castillo over 
Okay. Essentially, have you noticed any any of that impact of the the, the left handedness of the team impacting uh, the offense when, while you were up? Not not particularly, to be honest. I think uh, when when we did face the lefty arms, I think our lefty bats were doing probably the most damage in those <laughs> games. So it was kind of a a flip flop of what you would expect. Um, but I think it's just more so for for the the balancing factor and and being able to you know have a guy you know not go three or four lefties in a row but have a guy in there who can drive the ball and sure. kind of mix things up sure yeah yeah those uh, left-handed hitters are all pretty good though um i think shimauchi has the, yeah, the, yeah. the swing i love the most of all those guys shimauchi is whew, that guy i love it all right um I think everyone expected the Eagles to pitch really well in the preseason. We, that was our, you know, prediction for everybody. But uh, what have you noticed about that rotation? Because it's it's pretty strong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one through five or one through six. I mean, all those guys. You you come out and it's almost like you kind of take it for granted because every guy that when I was up there, every guy was going seven, eight innings, and mm. it's just kind of like it, it's just automatic um but yeah i mean i think i think that's uh kind of the one of the strong points of the team but um obviously as we've seen like the lineup has has been doing well um i think as of late i think they've had a little bit of a scuffle but um you know that's part of baseball that's a long season things like that are going to happen but um, yeah, that that starting rotation. It's fun to play behind, um, and then you give the ball to Matsui or any of the relievers, and it's uh, it's definitely a, a fun group to be with. All right, all right. Last question before you go. Just in, about that rotation. You play basically with Masahiro Tanaka, and uh, he was a huge star coming back. And what has it just been like being on a team that has like a rock star? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is uh, in in America. He's he's a big deal. But um, you come here, and it's he is uh, he's a legend over here for sure, um, and rightly so. So it's it's cool to to get to play with um, someone that you've watched and and seen, and and uh, to come back to his hometown and, and be able to watch him pitch in front of his fans and. Um, it's really, it's really a cool opportunity to see and, and get to experience and be a part of. Well, we certainly hope you get back up to the first team soon and experience that a little bit more. And uh, we'll look for you on all the highlights. And uh, we've got a YouTube Pacific League channel thing going, so hopefully we can see you on there as well. So good luck and thank you very much for the time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. All right, so Jim, uh, what rolled around in your head uh, after you listened to this one? <laughs> I got rocks up there, bud. So, what like, <laughs> <laughs> was crashing into your rocks? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, let me move the rocks here. Well, first of all, a couple of things I really liked, and one was that dynamic about how you figure out, you know, that Rubik's cube of adjusting what you can do. Mm. your skill set to the different approaches you're faced with, the different styles you're faced with, the different contexts you're faced with. Mm -hmm. It's a really hard thing. And some people 
some people get over it and some people never get over it. Oh, Always wow. looking for the pitch. <laughs> no, I, I thought that was really interesting about talking of, of talking about the adjustments along with Rosny Castillo. Right. Was really entertaining to me. I mean, that, that whole, he, he paints that picture of, you know, a give and take and sharing information and how do we solve this puzzle? And I love that. Yeah, that I mean, if I interject here, that was that was actually my favorite part when he said that obviously Castillo he got injured early on uh, when he made the first his game, yeah, uh, like first or second at bat or something early mm-hmm. in the game, and, uh, and was out, but he was injured. But yet he, Castillo's watching Brandon play and saying, you know, he's conveying information to him about his swing, and I mm. and I said, look. These guys are teammates, but they're kind of competing for some of the same at-bats because they're right-handed batters, they're the import guys. They're going to be limited at-bats if they're not playing every day. So I love that kind of thing where you – the dynamic where you have one guy helping the other because I've often talked about the competing agendas among players sometimes and that Mm -hmm. sometimes you can actually see it. But when you hear stories like this, you hear that the team aspect – is this is the start of the development of the of, of the relationship, mm. in my opinion. And then, you know, you, we, I, 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 basically, what they're saying is, I know we're competing, but a better you makes a better me, and a better us makes a better team, which wow. is something I just kind of made up. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, like free to be you and me, you know, kumbaya moment kind of. Thing. No, but I, I mean, you know, no, I, but I, I'm with you. Yeah, when I played basketball with my my teammates, I I, I always said, look, we're going to practice really hard against each other and we're going to beat each other up in practice because if we do that, it'll make the game seem easy. And then when we come up against a tougher tougher opponent, a more talented opponent, you know, we will be used to playing hard. Mm -hmm. So I I don't, you know, I don't want to just go through the motions at practice. I really want to rev it up and make the competition hard, as hard as we can possibly make it. I mean, we're not as going to be as talented as obviously a, a more talented team, but we can certainly put pressure on them if we're playing hard. And that's the way I want to play hard. and uh, That's the way I want to play and make the game seem easier. So I, I really liked that aspect. Mm. Well, there's another, there's another thing in Japan is that Japanese teams do reward players. Not always. But they often reward players who are really good teammates, and with what do you mean with money or playing time or what? With, it depends. It depends on the team. I mean, there are teams that do and they don't. But I think that's the explanation for Ernesto Mejia mm, of the Lions. Yeah, right. It's a it's it, it, with another team he wouldn't be here, but the Lions felt he was a valuable contributor more than just what he did on the field because mm. otherwise he's not here. Yeah, I, I buy that. <laughs> so he get on the field and, it's, and it's not like he can't play, but he he isn't, but they still see that he has value both on the field and off the field. I think that's really clear. So right, right. I, I appreciate that part of, I mean, every team's different. Every organization is different. Um, every Every executive is different. So I like that. Um, uh, you did comment about the, the left-handedness of the, the lineup, and I thought that was interesting. And, of course, uh, 
the left-handed hitters really have been carrying the Eagles because hitted to Asamura has basically, I think he hit his uh, fifth sixth. home. Yeah. Well, he hit his fifth on Saturday. I think he is sixth today. So he's, today, he's yeah. now six home runs. Not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're usually expecting him to be among the league leaders. He still has time. <laughs> he's got plenty yeah. of time, but yeah. 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 We, so, we, yeah, we've seen him start yes. a little bit better in yeah, past so my, years. Yeah, my, my typical prediction of the left-handed hitters would help him, and it hasn't, but that's uh, another thing. And the last thing in relation to that was the attitude. You know, part of the, the – it wasn't Brand, only Brandon Dixon that, that people have been holding up for praise as he's not your – I don't want to say he's not your typical – slow, disinterested, imported <laughs> player. But there's when when they say when they said Brandon Dixon dives into first base, he's got, you know, dives into third base, head sl- sliding head first, and he's got guts and uh anyway, so the the, the players Tetsi Ida. Uh, Tetsia mm-hmm. Ida, former Swallow center fielder and and later uh was a coach with the Swallows, coach with the Eagles. And he made a comment about atypical imported players. And his mm-hmm. point was what makes, it wasn't about Brandon Dixon, but was in that line of that comment of, here's a player who really cares, meaning other players don't care. There's always that little subtext to it because whenever they point out one player as an example of an imported player who does care, they're almost saying like most of them don't. Yeah, I guess it's context. I guess they're, you know, they're they're trying to make it seem like this person cares more. Yeah, <laughs> but they don't. It doesn't come across that way all the time. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does. And so the thing with Leonis Martin, who, whom he was praising, was unlike – actually, he also kind of ridiculed the Japanese players. He said, like, they play it safe in the outfield. And he doesn't play it safe. You know, he goes for it. He's always going for it, giving – you know, he never gives up on balls, which is not true. But he gives up on balls less often than his teammates, he was saying. And, and his point was, here's a guy who's basically – made himself into a home run hitter in Japan, but he'll hear he's still hustling and, you know, going the extra mile or the extra meter or whatever in the outfield Mm. and and concentrating. And, and he, he wanted to hold him up, not as an example. Actually, I like this part. He wanted to hold him up, not as an example for imported players, but an an example for Japanese players. Hmm. So it was a it was a little bit I think the unwitting sort of like dissing on the other imported players, which is which happens a lot um, by praising one, but also uh, you know saying I really like this guy's style, and uh, so there was a lot of that with with Brandon Dixon, you know, in that he was a little he was different looking. It was he he wasn't. He didn't uh, live down to expectations. Sometimes the Japanese tend to have low expectations of imported players. Mm, yeah. Um, and then my, my last point, or my second point, but it is the last one because uh, mm-hmm. we got to move along. But mm-hmm. I, I liked how he returned my serve of the question about what his tools <laughs> are. Yep. And 
You know, I, I don't pinpoint a lot of my questions sometimes because I don't want to lead the witness per se. Yep. It, and it opens it up to so many interpretations. So some guys, you know, they'll take the easy way out or the cliche way out. And some guys uh, will answer it, you know, differently from what I intended. But, uh, you know, I just accept the answer because I left it open. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really liked Brandon's answer, which is, <laughs> well, that's for you guys to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I, you know we need time we need time to see we have to see more games we have mm. to see more swings we have to see more you know base running more defensive play we we can't make that assessment after 20 games and 70 at bat so i i got nothing brandon i you know you hustle <laughs> which yeah. i like <laughs> yeah. well i think i think when it comes to that he 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 took one out of the Rock 10 imported players playbook. And he said, essentially, I'm just waiting for my pitch in terms of a question. <laughs> a la Andrew Jones previously. <laughs> yeah, I understand he's still looking for it. <laughs> well, he found a few, so it wasn't yeah, so bad. He found a few. But yeah, I, 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 you know, have talked to guys and had them say, oh, well, I'm a line drive hitter who sometimes hits, gets, you know, gets a hold of one and gets it over the fence, but uh, I find gaps or I do this, or I hit the ball here or I'm a pull hitter or whatever. But I, I like what Brandon did. He's like, hey, look, you tell me after the season, <laughs> what do you think I have? But he, and, and at the same breath, you know, he did say, look, I, I try to use whatever tools I have that day. Mm. And I loved that comment too, because you think, uh, well, Again, I always say you never know who fouled the ball off their foot and who's limping around, but just really good at covering it up. So that's a good way of saying, hey, you know, sometimes you go out there and you don't have it all. You don't have all the tools. You did foul the ball off your leg or you did stub your toe at home on a chair that nobody knows about. So whatever tools I have that day. Stop talking about my life. (laughs) It's you and me both, buddy. Remember, I broke one. You've broken broken a toe how many? Yeah, my little toe, each little toe on each foot twice every 40 years. Yeah, you're just good. You're just better than I am. I got an Olympic postponement in 2020. Well, you know what? Maybe that'll be an Olympic event in 2035 or 2034 or something. Whenever they, whenever this postponed Olympics that has the staggered years now, <laughs> whatever the influence of that is, if they're going to have it in three years from now or they're going to wait four years, what a mess. Anyway, I think it's four years. But anyway, we're really glad to talk to Brandon. Mm. Thank you very much, bud, and hope to see you on the first team out there running and diving headfirst into bases and hitting home runs. And, and eating that sushi. Well, I don't know if I want to be witness to that, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the comments. He likes Japanese food. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's make a seamless transition and talk about the ace pitcher we just we did speak to Brandon about, and that's Masahiro Tanaka. And he was on the docket uh, to pitch on Tuesday night in a game for, I guess, because they they could have pitched him on the weekend last week, and they didn't because mm-hmm. there was a rain out. Right. And then uh, they went ahead and pitched, right? Yeah, they pitched the rookie Takahisa Hayakawa on Sunday. And then uh, Makun was the guy who made the adjustment, and he pitched on Tuesday. So uh, not his best game, but he came away with a win. So he's three and four now. So he went six innings, allowed four runs, 
uh, a bunch of hits. Uh, yeah, we go, I think it was eight hits. He had it was a walk. eight hits. Yeah, and uh, seven strikeouts. Just not a great outing, but he did do this. He, he he had given up four runs in four innings. He went out for the fifth inning, got into a little bit of a jam, got out of that. He went out for the sixth inning, again, got into some trouble, but got out of that. And he put up those two zeros, and right after that, the Eagles scrambled up a couple runs, and he comes away with the win. So, uh, but for me, I, I, he didn't look comfortable. He didn't look happy, and he didn't look sharp. And I don't know how much of this game you got to see. I saw very little of that game. Uh, I would say that he gave. He's he's looking. I think he is. He's he's the same Tanaka in some sense we saw in New York, and that he's sort of like circling around where he wants to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like water draining out of a bathtub, you know, it goes in a circle as as gets closer and closer to the drain. And that's sort of the way his pitching style is sort of narrowing it down. I see him, uh, he's going through these evolutions. I mean, we, we've watched, I watched the really paid careful attention to that with his fastball, but he's not throwing the fastball as much, but he's throwing it a little bit. But what you're seeing is he's not walking people. So he's giving up hits. He's staying in the strike zone. Uh, he still has to deal with the, this huge difference between MLB and NPB, which is when Japanese teams decide they're going to lay off the slider, they don't mm-hmm. swing. You know? <laughs> they really lay off the slider, man. <laughs> exactly. In MLB, basically, he got people to chase the slider because he worked on his fastball to the point where people couldn't ignore it. And then he killed him with the slider. And here... The fastball just isn't there. I mean, it's really not there. Hmm. And so he's and he's just kind of ditched it. You know, it's, it's sort of like it just has. He's throwing it on occasion, but it's it's like a you know it's uh, his his four seam fastball is about where it was in 2015, where it's almost a secondary pitch. Hmm. And basically, he's using it to sort of like just tease people that it's still there. And that's right. what it is now. I mean, people aren't really looking for the fastball anymore like they were in a couple of ga- early games. And But we've seen a couple of times where uh, teams have basically just done a good team job of laying off the slider. And I think he's getting a little more in tune with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's following behind a little less. He was... He's, he's uh, you know, he's just working in the strike zone. I think he's narrowing it down. I thought his game was okay. I thought he gave up some, he, you know, he missed pitches that got hit, and he gave up a couple of bad hits, and he, uh, he gave up a couple of hits that, uh, you know, were just were just good, you know, good hit batting by the other team. So, uh, but he's not, he's obviously, you know, you're correct. He's not comfortable. Yeah. Um, I think I said Tuesday, the game was Wednesday. Um, yeah, he, you know, remember he hasn't been removed from a game in, in Japan mid inning since Adam and Eve were happy go lucky teens. So, Hashtag um, high. I thought when, you know, the skipper, she sent him out for the sixth inning. I'm like, well, could this be the day that we see if he gets into serious trouble because the score was tied? Could he possibly be yanked? And, you know, he got out of it relatively easily. It wasn't a big jam, but 
I was thinking, I wasn't on the edge of my seat yet, but I thought, you know, he gives up a home run or something bad happens here. I think he's coming out because they'll still mm-hmm. have a chance to win the game. Actually, a home run wouldn't have been so bad because he could get the next batter. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he puts a bunch of guys on or something like that. I thought he could come out. So um, not a quality start, but a quality win for him, I'm sure. And he'll yeah. take the wins over the over the no decisions for sure. Right. I, I mean, I, he's also got that thing, you know, he's – He's had trouble early on a lot, and he gets to the point. He just looks when he's you. You see him on the mound sometimes, and he looks completely befuddled. Hmm. Like, why are they hitting that ball? They shouldn't be hitting that ball. Or why am I throwing that ball? I shouldn't be throwing that ball. And then other times when he's like going, "Yeah, I got it." You know, it's like he, he snaps into this this rhythm sometimes. Mm, and, I, I think I see what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just like, you just know, and it's like 2013 all over again. And he just knows what's going to, you know, he knows what the play, what's coming before everybody else in the ballpark does. That's how it looks. So I still see that. I still think he's going to have, uh, I, I have big hopes for a second half. I think he's, he's still trying to figure out which pitches work best for him in Japan now because, uh, as a, he's not facing MLB batters who are going to just line up and chase that slider from here to Timbuktu. Hmm. Hmm. Correct. And and like I said, the, that discomfort, all these things that you taunt, uh, that you're saying, I see on his face sometimes, and that gives me a better idea of what's going on and, and maybe why. But if you're seeing it and I'm seeing it. I'm sure opponents are seeing it too. And so are his coaches. So everybody's going to be making adjustments. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of things going on. All right. Let's talk about uh, rock and Roki Sasaki. And he threw for Lotte on Thursday night and the rookie suffered his first loss as a pro and it came at home and he pitched five in the third innings. He allowed three runs. So not that bad. Five hits, a walk. He struck out six. The fastball topped out that night at uh, 154 kilometers, but he, you know, he allowed some key hits on those fastballs, and that pretty much, you know, those pitches were pretty much over the heart of the plate. So even at a 150 plus, whatever, you, you're throwing some pitches that are hittable to some of these guys, and he's pitching against SoftBank. They ended up losing the game seven to two, but. One of the pitches in particular like, to Yuki Anagita that uh, ended up being the game decider, if you ask me, mm. was uh, a fastball just was just too down too much down the middle. So I'm thinking, okay, this is a big leverage spot. Everybody knows you throw hard. Why are you just lobbing it in at 150 when we know you can throw it harder? And you're coming out of the game probably at your last inning. Can we just let? Can we call up? Somebody, whoever it is, we have to call up at Lotte and say, hey, just let him let it fly. Who cares where it goes? It's going to be 160 something. If they hit it, they hit it. Just, you know, there's 150. Let's try to pinpoint that's not working sometimes. And in a big leverage situation, I'd rather, especially with a young guy, if he's going to throw a fastball, go all out. If you're going to throw something else, then I understand. Try, You know, if you're going to try to pinpoint a slider or bounce something or throw a secondary pitch or a tertiary pitch, whatever. But if you're going to throw a fastball, just let it go, dude. Well, I think the the growth we've seen in him this year since the spring 
And, you know, we can really only talk about the spring because last year he was limited to simulated games and right. batting practice and bullpens has been in the consistency of the secondary pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, his comfort with throwing secondary pitches and mixing them. I mean, yeah, the first he's game throwing was, a lot. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm okay with that. And I, it's kind of a Japanese approach, which is be a complete pitcher. You know, it's sort of the Japanese educational approach. Don't, you can't, you know, you have to get a good grade in all your subjects if you're going to get into a good university or high school. <laughs> right. So, yes. But that's really the thing, you know, if you, if there's one thing you don't do, oh, well, you know, we can't have him on the first team because, you know, he blows his nose the wrong way or something. But <laughs> Can we point, make it he doesn't hold runners well? Yeah, whatever, go, whatever he's it is. He's a snot-nosed kid anyway. Well, of course. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say that, but, uh, but I'm just saying that's the Japanese way. It's like, you know, we do things a certain way and you got to get with the program. And that's, that's a big thing uh, that sometimes, and I think, Teams believe it in general, but not in specific instances. Then nobody cares in the <laughs> game until Pro Yaki News comes on. And then, yeah, what about that slider, Bob? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, but I know I also know it's a hard thing to do. You know, make adjustments to what he can do, making adjustments to what the coaches are expecting him to do. <laughs> That's so hard. So I know. I'm, I'm very pleased with his growth. I think, uh, you know, again, the big thing will be how much spin he can put on that fastball and how much movement he can put on the fastball rather than the speed. Because in, in high school, it was all about the speed. And I think now it's more about um, locating it. And, and Well, that's and, the point is he didn't locate it. So why do you, why do you just put some, some mustard on that hot dog and let it fly is what my point is. Yeah, if he, uh, You I'm know, he, yeah, I mean... Whatever. I, I see what you're saying. I like the fact, yes, we've seen the growth in the secondary pitches and him being able to control them and throw them where he wants. But if you're going to throw a fastball in that in a fastball situation, then Should be a good just one. let it fly, dude. Let it fly. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, make, uh, the last I want to before we end. Sure. That, yes. Uh, and the last comment is Yuki and Nagi did two home runs in that game. Uh, one of them off Sasaki. And at the end of the game, of course, he had his classic line. Oh, and this is a guy. This is a guy who hit an opposite field home run about thirty rows back into left center, at Chiba, into the main seats at Chiba Marine Stadium, which is a poke. Yeah, yeah. And then he said, "Well, I'm not really a home run hitter." Oh yes, the classic line. I was wondering where you're going with that. Yes, I did see that. I mean, you're not a home run here. Then what am I? <laughs> no, but that's that's the one I wrote about a couple of weeks ago. Which is, it's just, it's sort of like the kids. Kids, if you're going to play baseball, go ahead and swing for the fences. Just don't tell anybody you're swinging for the fences because that's bad etiquette. So it's an etiquette. It's a Japanese baseball etiquette lesson. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, etiquette lesson. All right, um, not a home run batter. Gotcha, Yuki Yanagita. Yeah, you're just, exactly because everybody knows. You know, it's one of those things. Everybody in the park knows you're lying, but everybody <laughs> because everybody knows you're lying. They know that what you're saying is not what, exactly what you're saying. It's like when the government says we are never going to put the Olympics ahead of public health. <laughs> everybody knows it's a lie, but the lesson is, yeah. So what? 
Run for your lives. All right. <laughs> well, the picks are coming, baby. Okay. All right. Making a four seam transition, let's talk about the Buffalo Stampede. So, uh, really, no one saw it coming. And uh, leave it to our buddy Claudio Rod- Rodriguez in Toronto, who joins the show uh, every year. He's, he's crediting himself on Twitter for the Oric success, and he's effectively jumping up before halftime of a football game to celebrate a win <laughs> because it's not even to the all-star break and he's up talk, taking credit and i'm like well it's june they haven't done anything it is june they're like they're renting some space in first place in a in a league that's bunched together like a, a shish kebab i mean everything's stuck together you know the okay. vegetables are the only thing that's similar is the sauce, right? But everything, you know, you get the carrots and the celery and the meat and the, everything's just I'm stuck waiting until next week. I want to hear which team is which part of the shish kebab. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, <we're... laughs> I, I think the Marines are like the carrots. I, I, think okay. it's, I think it's safe to say that whatever the fighters are, they're getting eaten first. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, yeah. so, so the Buffalo... Yeah, they got that end of the stick. <laughs> <laughs> they did. Um, so the Buffaloes, they've turned things around. They beat up on the Central League a little bit obviously, and they came out of interleague by sweeping uh, Rock 10, which was slumping a little bit at the time. Then they beat uh, Nippon Ham a little bit, and uh, I think twice, and then they ended up losing to them, and the, the fighters stopped that streak, and that was Thursday. And then they, uh, they they played really well in interleague, obviously. That goes without saying, but they came. I was more impressed when they came out of interleague and were able to beat the, the Eagles. I thought that was a big a big deal for them. And of course, no matter how much a team's got a bad record or whatever's happening, when I saw the matchup for the game that they lost on Thursday, which was uh, Hirotoshi Zenshin Masui, my man, versus uh, Hiromi Ito of the Fighters, I thought, well, this is a game that they're that's unlikely that the Buffaloes are going to come out mm. on top. Now, they did end up losing the game. It wasn't that bad a loss. I think it was five two five three something. Hmm. I'll, I'll look it up as we speak. It was five to two, but um, you know they were pretty competitive, and you always thought they were going to have a chance to come back. They kept getting guys on base. They just didn't finish it off and, hmm. and, and get that big hit and get closer in terms of putting pressure on the fighters to have to actually make really good pitches to stay in the game or keep a lead. They they. Three run lead, much different from the one run lead, obviously. So fun! It was a fun run for them. Yep. Um, they they oh, beat really the dragons. Fun. I think the dragons beat them on June fifth, and then they didn't lose again until June twenty fourth. And that's just something we just have not seen from. Yeah. Obviously, it was their longest winning streak in thirty seven years. And I tweeted out the fact that last time they had won that many games consecutively, Boomer Wells, who was on the show earlier this year with Jim, a great, a fantastic interview. I encourage all you new listeners to go out and listen. If you have time check that that show out, I think it was the third, it was show three of this year. And it's a great interview with Boomer Wells. That was and, his uh, triple crown year. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, um, MV, specifically MVP year. And, uh, they asked a uh, manager, Satoshi Nakajima after the game says, well, how was it? And he says, dude, I played for Honkyu, but that was before my time. 
<laughs> I think I think he was I think he was a, r- a rookie in 1986. Uh-huh. Wow. Is, yeah. Hard, but, to, uh, hard to fathom. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, I'll have to ask some of my teammates what it was like. I don't remember that, Sonny. Yeah. And then today they came back. So they had they, they had lost a couple, but they came back. And uh, Mr. Miyagi, Hiroya Miyagi and Zach Neal, friend of the program, were locked in a in a pitching duel for about five innings. And then the Buffaloes, they, they actually won this game 10 nothing. but it's the kind of game that you could see them in the past just messing up somehow and yep. losing it, even though they got, I mean, it was a close game, but they, 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 in the past, they lose these types of games. They get a, a lead, they finally break through and then immediately they give up runs and the other team gets back into it. And eventually, they make some kind of mistake and lose the game late. But that's not what happened today. They got the big lead. They added to it. They pitched well out of the bullpen, and they won going away, so to speak. I mean, yeah, they're playing like a good team. I mean, that's really the thing. Uh, did you happen? I have to ask. Did you happen to see any of the hero interview? I had it on, but you know that work thing that keeps getting in the way. So I only saw a little I bit know. of it. Oh, isn't that the, this is you should do as <laughs> as Wayne Grassick would say? You got to do something about that work thing, right? Right. <laughs> so okay, yeah, blow it off, man. But I know that Miyagi, yeah, Miyagi, Mister Miyagi was in the hero interview he was. with. Uh, uh, Masataka uh, Yoshida, and I, yes. the th- I think the, the third was uh, Torai Fushimi, but he was standing next to Yoshida, mm-hmm. and he's got the, the high school baseball buzz cut. Right. Because he used, you know, he shaved off his long curly locks. And he was looking to him like, how should I approach this hero interview now that I look like a high school baseball player again? <laughs> and it's like he was waiting for, you know, it's like, I tried to get the leadoff hitter off, but it didn't work out that way. And that is something I have to reflect on. And he, you know, he, he'd like look at Ma, at Yoshida and see if Yoshida was saying, "Yeah, good, good one, good one." <laughs> he was trying to do it. He was trying to do it like a high school baseball. You know, and he bowed and he bowed and showed his shaved head, which is not part. You know, is is not something we typically see in the, the pro baseball hero interviews. Right. Yeah. I, I just saw it. I didn't hear any of it. I did see them up there. I think Hushimi, you're right. It was him who was up there. So um, oh, fun for the Buffaloes. It, it, it's, it's good. It's June. Now I'm not, I'm not going to get excited. And like I said, everybody's still bunched together. They could still finish. I'm easily excited finish because it's place. like, it's, they are playing like the team we thought they could be potentially. That's true. That's correct. So I think I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked. All right. Making a two-seam transition, the All-Star Game is coming. And the games are set for July 16th at MetLife Dome. And then the next day, July 17th at Rock 10, Seimei Park, Miyagi. And I've seen some of the voting so far. I guess it's okay. Uh, I was surprised that Masato Morista of the Carp is leading among starting pitchers in the Central League. That I mean, he's only a second-year guy, but the I think the actual all-star is Yuya Yanagi of the Dragons. I think he's pitching the best, but okay, Morista, you know, he's he's not bad. He pitched well today on Sunday, so. <laughs> um, and Robert Suarez uh, among closers, leading in the Central League uh, uh, ahead of. Young phenom rookie uh, Yoji Kudibayashi, so that was kind of a surprise for me. But uh, okay, I, I can deal with that. Um, 
In the Pacific League, I mean Miyagi, the rookie we were just of whom we were just speaking, he's leading among starting pitchers, and that was kind of surprising because right below him is Masahiro Tanaka. <laughs> so uh, this kid must be impressive. He's got about uh, almost twice as many votes, so that's yeah, kind of impressive. That that and, basically tells you that Tanaka has really. You know, he he really didn't need to do much to be the story of the year. But he's not the winner. Right. Not yet. Well, that's the point. He hasn't done that much. I mean, he's But certainly... he hasn't been bad. It's not, no, it's not he like has he's not. been mediocre or anything. No, he, he just, has not. He hasn't he has been not. spectacular. He hasn't so. been as good as other people. <laughs> and I'll be honest, he has not been as good as other people. But again, I think part of that is teams are rising to the occasion. People are more concerned about him. I don't want to go too far down that road because, you know, what happens is what happens, but uh, he has not done. I I think he, if you asked him, he would be happy about the process, but he'd be extremely disappointed about the results so far. Okay. And uh, I think the leading vote getter uh, overall (laughs) is pretty obvious. (laughs) Uh, it's Teriyaki Sato of the Hanshin Tigers. Yeah, he's a little bit above. He's about 10,000 votes, let's say, above Yuki Yanagita. And yeah, about- we have we have three players with 300,000 votes. And I'm thinking, when's the last time you saw two of the top three, you know, leading by such a large margin and, and two of those three in the Pacific League? Yeah, uh, Masataka Yoshida of the Oryx Buffaloes. Uh, maybe we maybe about the him. Buffaloes he's, he's are finally getting. You know, they've one of the Oryx's uh, longtime uh, marketing plans has been to get over the hill Tigers players <laughs> in an attempt to lure Tigers fans to their ballpark, and it's never quite worked out the way they hoped. Right, uh, but maybe being good <laughs> has helped. Get some Maybe Tigers being fans. good. <laughs> Maybe being good. Yeah, it's possible. So uh, that's fine. I was, I was just, I was flabbergasted at a couple moves though. Why does Seiichi Uchikawa have any votes at all? I couldn't understand that. He has barely played on the first team for the Yakult Swallows, and he really hasn't done anything. Why? Why? Oh, why? It's, it just. I, I was shocked. Yeah, why does he have any votes Why is he in fifth place? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't get it. So people, wow. come on, you're better than that. You're, you are better than that. So, um, Yeah, I'm disappointed the Tigers fans didn't uh, find a way to get Oyama and uh, Itohara ahead of uh, Murakami and Yamada. <laughs> uh, Itohara, yeah, I, yeah, Yamada as well, yeah. It's true. I mean, you know, it's about it's about popularity and getting your fans out to the stadiums too. Or if they can't get to the stadiums, then online. So I know the Tokyo and Osaka areas had fans, and then said we weren't going to have fans, and then brought fans back again. So maybe that was part of the, the slowdown of the of the voting. But it happens. It happens. Hmm. All right, let's go to fielding questions. All right, so the first one comes to us from Rocky in Oakland via email, and he says, enjoying your podcast as always. Now, why is it that the Tigers have had such large gaps between games lately? Also, it seems they have trouble getting wins against the Dragons, or is it my imagination? Hope to come back to Japan next year, and I saw you on 60 Minutes, John. 
Take care. <laughs> so, the, why is it that the Tigers have had some gaps in their games recently? And I think he sent this message about 10 days ago. And I think it was just one of those quirky things where it was between they had some makeup game or makeup dates for interleague. Mm. And then they, the, the Tigers themselves had gotten rained out a couple games early on in interleague. And so they had, they just had some, but they had some spotty or some gaps in there, but uh, 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 some of the other teams did as well. Yeah. It well, wasn't the, Tigers, just, all, the Tigers were one of those teams that had uh, five days off. Yeah. Four days it, off. Yeah, it wasn't just the Tigers, but yeah, they had some days off. And so uh, schedule, I think it's just wacky, Rocky. It's just, you know, we got Olympic time. We've got, and we've got these practice games that we uh, actually should have been mentioning earlier on, but we've got these practice games going and it's really messing up the entire schedule. So uh, it's not just the Tigers. A lot of teams had had, had problems. And while we're talking about these practice games, what what are they? Because I saw this announcement and I got it on my email and I'm like, what is what is this crap? I thought there yeah. was going to be a break. This is not a break. <laughs> well, what did I tell you? What did I tell you the other time about? You the, said practice. We were talking about practice. Yeah, that's right. That's the, <laughs> not a that's game. The, that's the Boomer <laughs> Wells story. It's like, well, I figured when the field was covered with snow, we weren't practicing. Man, was I ever wrong. So, <laughs> so that was the you know that was the one the guy at the union told me was. Uh, the reason we have a shorter all-star break is to make sure the kids aren't the, you know the non-all-stars aren't spending seven whole days chained to the practice field <laughs> and i think the olympic break is a chance for you know the teams to say well look they're going to be practicing but we can have we can have fans pay to get in <laughs> So they're going to have 50. Money, money, money. <laughs> well, fair enough. They got to, you know, they're, they are having to pay the players money for them to be there. So, and uh, I don't think the union, I, I'm curious about how, well, here's the thing. I was, I was thinking about these 58 practice games. Now, is the union happy that they're getting extra game time? Probably yes, because the game time will mean probably less practice time <laughs> so the union's happy <laughs> probably the union sees that as an improvement over one you know uh, uh one and a half months of practice daily practice <laughs> right well i don't want to see anybody get hurt during these foolishness uh, during these games but I, I i think it's it's okay to see live pitching but let's you know Let's just uh, take it easy out there, guys. <laughs> don't, okay. don't, yeah, don't play too serious. So, all right. Um, so to continue on Rocky's question, uh, why does it seem the Dragons play so well against the Tigers? It's not your imagination. They they have played them well, I think, over the past five years. And it just seems no matter how good the Tigers are and how mediocre the Dragons have been, they played them tough, especially at Nagoya Dome. Mm. Um, and I just think... In this year, I'll speak directly about this year, is that the Dragons just have such good pitching, and it's consistent from starter to starter and from reliever to reliever that it makes it hard to score runs, and they play really good defense. We went through and talked about the the infields and outfields of of all the teams last year uh, in the Central League, and we know that the Dragons have really good defensive players on the infield. And so that contributes and it helps. But there's one thing I've noticed is that their pitchers pitch much better at Nagoya Dome than they do yeah. on the road. So yeah. 
uh, and and that's well, they're two. You know, they're they're both. Although Koshian can be a decent home run park sometimes, it mm. generally isn't because of those enormous power alleys. And the fence is completely this. The height of the fence fences, right? They're, they're different, so you can sure. hit a ball really well in in Koshian, and it might go out. Right. If but you can you hit can a hit really, drive, right? Yeah, you can hit a ball extremely well at Nagoya If you don't hit it high enough, it's just going to be a double. Correct. Thank you for so, playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, although, you know, you'll see some balls, if they're high flies in the power alley, then that's the funny thing. I noticed some somewhere, some, we were talking about Taro Akisato's home runs. Uh, I, I think it was at Nagoya Dome. And I, oh, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a home run. It was a double he hit off the top of the wall. Mm. Dome. Uh, left center yes yeah and i was yeah. thinking you know that's that's a home run at every park except sapporo dome nagoya dome and koshien <laughs> I, I think it would have been out though at koshien no it wouldn't be have honest. been because left center is the the power alleys are deeper than they are anywhere else yeah but that thing went off the top of the fence Right, but it was a high fly, so it would have dropped. It would have been caught on the warning track. Nah, I'm not buying that. I think it was out. No. I mean, I thought it was out when I saw it, and even though he was playing at Nagoya Dome when I saw it when I was watching the game. No, the the, uh, the power alleys there are, are huge because they built the places of rugby to have, to have rugby <laughs> go from where foul pole to foul pole. Well, I'd <laughs> like to get the science nerds on this one because I think that ball was going to be out. Okay, there. Joe. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Go to it, please. Go to it. Go to it. All right. So, uh, yeah, that I, I think you, you're not wrong. They do struggle, and this you know issue at Nagoya Dome had been a problem because I remember I think it was last year they had lost. Yeah, uh, at the beginning of the season they had just like uh, it's double been a figured, frequent theme, yeah, double digit it, losing it, streak. There, it really has been a frequent theme for the for the Tigers over the past uh, 25 years of having trouble years against the dragons. I mean, a lot of them. Mm. And even when the tigers were really, really good, it was like they need, it was like if they were playing a big game, they couldn't touch the dragons. And of course what happened in the playoffs (laughs) against the dragons was, was like, not even thank you for playing. It's like, you don't belong in this club, Sonny. Take a hike. (laughs) Was this, uh, you talk about 2006, 2007. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I think it was three those. times the, the 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 Tigers were very poor in the playoffs for a while. So yeah. yeah. Yep, it hurts. All right. The next question is from Ian in Texas via Twitter, and he says, In regards to ugly NPB uniforms, what's your take on the Tigers twenty twenty one ultra summer uniforms or the gray on white away uniforms? Also, what's your opinion on Takumu Nakano, he's had plenty of errors, but has also shown some potential this year. So in terms of the uniforms, uh, the ultra summer uniforms, uh, first of all, the, the gray on, uh, I don't know the gray on white. I guess you're talking about the ones that they wear this year and they started wearing last year. And I remember I, I went to camp last year, if you guys don't remember. And the moment I saw those things, I'm like, oh, I need one of those. I need one of those. I need one of these Tigers uniforms. So I think they're really cool. Do you like these? these I do. I love them. Yeah, I, I mean, I know there are people who really hate them, but I'm I love them. I'm sure there are a lot of purists out there who do hate them, and yeah, you know, I I respect their opinion. I I for one like them. I, I, they're unique. Uh, look, a lot of these uniforms that they put on the players are designed so that you can't see how 
much they're sweating. Okay, let's just get that straight. Notice that you, a lot of times you don't see uh, armpit stuff and uh, a lot of these uniforms are designed so you cannot see them sweat. And I think that uniform is one where if somebody's sweating profusely, you might be able to tell. <laughs> but even then, it's difficult. And uh, after that, they're just cool looking. I, I, I dig them. I mean, there's some uniforms that I really don't like, but those are, I mean, and I've never really been in love with any of the Tigers uniforms. I think the pinstripe ones are probably the the most um, uh, classic looking ones that they sure. have. But but those these new ones, I, I love them. In terms of the 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 one with the uh, I guess uh, Ian also when he sent this on Twitter, he he sent a photo of the the growling tiger painting style jerseys that they wore last year, and I I, I don't know that I like those or hate those. They can be a distraction, I think, especially if you're if you're an opponent and you're looking at that. And uh, let's say Fujinami's throwing, and you don't know if the pitch is going to come at your head or at your foot. <laughs> it can be a distraction, but I, I don't hate them. They just kind of they're kind of loud for baseball, but I don't, I, they're not vomit inducing for me. What do you? I have think? to ask you: uh, Do you have a favorite uniform all time in NPB? NPB favorite uniform all time. Not particularly, actually. Nothing. I mean, uh, I I do not like those Cebu blue uniforms. I've never liked those. I don't know why. I, I have no reason for not liking those. I, there's a lot of stuff I don't like. It's like, look, it, <laughs> it's like when I played basketball. If I won, if we won, it was like nothing happened. I wasn't happy or anything. If we lost, I was upset for days. So <laughs> it's like that with the uniforms. I probably don't care if I like it so much. It's just that if I hate it, I really hate it. <laughs> I can and you're going to hear that. about how much I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I can vouch for that having worked with John. He has things that he definitely dislikes. Is probably uh, Anyway, my, uh, <laughs> my answer, I, I can't think of anything. Nice or pejorative, particularly pejorative, is just the way you are. So anyway, uh, the the you know the reason I asked that question is because when I came to Japan, I was really struck. I didn't have a favorite team. I didn't live near a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I could see the Giants basically only terrestrial TV. Giants are on TV every night. Uh, but the team's uh, uniform I liked the best was the Yakult Swallows. I loved the uh, in the eighties with the red pinstripes mm-hmm. and the blue trim. Mm-hmm. Uh, the road uniforms were terrible, but yeah, you know, all everybody's you know, road uniforms then were really bad. So, but I like that. That yeah, and it turned out that they became my favorite team, but not because of the uniforms. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, in terms of Nakano, uh, shortstop for the Tigers. Now, I, you know, I, I like him. I wasn't convinced early on, but the more I saw him hit different kinds of pitches in various locations and in different situations, the more I started thinking that the ceiling can be high. But he's not knocking the cover off the ball. He's he's good at putting the ball in play, and sometimes he can drive it. But I think that might, you know, that could dry up. Sometimes he might have some some gaps in his in his production. Sometimes I think. But right. other than that, I mean, the the the, the errors. I, I don't really focus on errors. I think I've said that on the show for almost as long as we've been doing it. I, I look at the process and the range and the arm. And 
if there's some errors, if they continue to be the same kind of errors, I get concerned. If, for instance, if you're throwing uh, while you're running right and you keep throwing off target or you're running left and you keep throwing off target or for some reason for shortstops, if they're going toward the middle and they can't, they can't seem to keep the ball off the ground. They, they keep hitting the ground, skipping the ball over the first base. I, I see that as a problem, but I look at the process more than the counting the errors. So, uh, and he looks like his process is pretty good. I don't think he's got a great arm, but he's adequate at every everything that I've seen. So, I, and I think he's just going to get better. Remember, he's just a rookie, and this is his first time going through these many games at, during this short a time. So, once he get, gets over the wall, because I think a lot of these rookies are going to start to hit the wall. In fact, uh, some might say Teruaki Sato is crashing into it at the moment. But uh, just getting used to playing at this level and and all the the decisions they have to make and the speed at which they have to play. I think he made a, uh, Nakano had a situation today. He was trying to feel the ball and his head was up. He just wasn't looking at the ball and he was going to try to shovel it to uh, second base and, and, and get a double play or at least get one out. And he missed the ball, you know, and they, they scored it a hit, but in my book, that's, that's a bad process. He was not looking at the ball. He had his head up. So, I would say that's an error in my book. So some errors don't go as errors and some some hits go down as errors. So, Jim, what do you think about him? Same thing. No. Um, <laughs> I, my, my take is I like what I see. I think his arm is better than average. Uh, if I were grading it like a 2080 scale on MLB, I'd probably give it a probably a 60, which is nothing, not really special for a shortstop. It's... Uh, it's adequate, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's you put him anywhere on the field. I think he would be a good arm pretty much everywhere on the field, but it's not it's not an elite shortstop's arm, but it's good, and he does things with it. He does things with his body that are very good in terms of how he throws and in his footwork, and getting in position to throw, and his arm mm-hmm. angle. I think are all really good. So. I think he's got a lot of tools to work with. I think he's a really smart, adaptive player. I see him sort of modeling his his offensive game a little bit on Koji Chikamoto with that sort of that hyper uh, concentration on the base paths mm-hmm. that really just can blow the lid off of I don't want to say you know make a game you know or you know make a game make an inning or you know create runs or cause confusion but they make the game fun Mm. he is a fun player and yeah more guys like him the better okay so yeah I see a lot of potential there and uh, I like like I said I like what he does with the bat too so but these are young or in, inexperienced guys so I, I think when it gets down to it when we get to the second half of the season when they start to uh, when all these games start to really weigh on them and their legs get heavy and the bat gets heavy and all that stuff that's when we're gonna see how they can adjust and how they can fight through that stuff I don't think up until now it's just been fun they've just been out there. Uh, soaking it up and having a good time and and having some pro uh, some production. Hand me the sunscreen, man. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see how that goes in the second half. All right, we do have a couple more questions, so we'll get to those next week. Anyone else who has a question, hit us up on Twitter at JBW Podcast with the hashtag High Heat. You can send questions, including MP3s. 
via email to yakyujohn at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on the Facebook page and leave us a message there. And also, please go to YouTube, look up the PL English channel, the Pacific League English channel. Uh, it doesn't have a lot of English at the moment, just descriptions and the titles and all those things. But the more you watch, the more you comment, the more you like, and the more subscribers we get, the more we'll be able to do in the future. So please go subscribe, watch, and comment, like I said, and uh, hopefully we can do more next season, and that would be awesome. Jim, you got anything coming up tomorrow? Yeah, no, nothing coming up this week except the regular newsletter going out in a couple hours. And if you want the jbolallen.com newsletter, all you got to do is subscribe. So uh, join in, get, get it, and enjoy. All right. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy your baseball. See you at the ballpark. Follow the hosts on Twitter at Podcast and at jballallen. And feel free to submit your questions by email or tweet with hashtag high heat. Thank you for listening to Japan Baseball Weekly.